Every year, every year we want to pause and we just want to remind people of what the next steps are here at Trinity. So if you've been a part of Trinity for 20 years, if you've been a part of Trinity for 20 minutes um, or anything in between, uh, it's, it's good to pause and just go, man, what would my next step be? If I was to take another step here, you know, a part of this family, this community, what would that next step look like in my journey with other Christians in this community? What would that look like? And so we pause every year and just spend a couple of weeks kind of talking through that, what those next steps are, and I love to do it in the fall. Uh, Let me open with this big idea as we get into just the next couple of weeks real briefly, and it's this. I believe in a world, I believe in a world without The problem is the world is filled with, I believe in a world without loneliness, like that's what Eden, heaven, right? It's like intimacy, that's what it's supposed to be. But the problem is we're full of loneliness in this world. I mean, even in this room, I bet right now, early service, I mean, you guys are the Christians that get up early and get your coffee in. I'm like, you're going to make church fit in your day. Love you, love that. Um, you are the ones, even great Christians who love Jesus, I bet if I was to sit down with you and have honest personal converse, conversation, I bet many of you would, would say, hey, I have a lot of acquaintances. I mean, I know a lot of people's names, people might even know my name, but at the end of the day, I don't really have that like best friend intimacy. I feel a level of loneliness. But I believe, I believe in a world without loneliness. In fact, I think one of the primary objectives of the church is to war against that. I think the enemy wants you alone. I think he wants you alone, feeling alone, acting alone, making decisions in a vacuum, right? I think the enemy wants you alone. And so at Trinity, we want to war against the loneliness. It's hard. Especially we live in a time in history obsessed with cancel culture, a a time in history when everything is toxic, like everything's toxic. Any relational discomfort, you're supposed to run from it and shame it. That's the time we are at in history right now. So how do you create a people that can handle being with each other, competing wills at times, when we're taught to run from anything that's tension? Maybe a way to say it would be like this as we kind of introduce these ideas over the next couple of weeks. Uh, We don't want to be a church that's only about ideas. Now hang on this thought for just a second. Um, You can download ideas. You don't have to go to a church building for ideas. In fact, there are more Christian books and books about God available today than there ever have been in human history. If you just want ideas about God, you don't have to come here. Download it, get the book, listen to the podcast, get on YouTube, listen to apologetics and debates. Is there a God? Is God real? Why was there bad things if God is good? I mean, you can, you can run down ideas endlessly. There is no end to human knowledge, right, in the pursuit of it. And you can download all of it, right? We don't want to be a church that's only about ideas. Now, don't miss this. Ideas matter. I care a lot about growing in wisdom and stature and even favor with God and man, wisdom and stature. I I like that. I've been in school forever. I'm clearly okay with learning. But we want to be a church 
that's about I want to give you what you can't download. I want you to participate in what you can't order on Amazon. I love ideas. I'm all about ideas. But we want to be a church that's about relationships. Relationships. They matter. Relationships with God and relationships with each other. And then relationships like with us Corporately before God. Those relationships all matter. And so at Trinity, this is the way I would say it this year, we kind of take like different prism looks at this idea of integration. But the way I want to say it this year would be like this. The journey from Christian ideas into Christian community, we call the growth track. The journey from Christian ideas into Christian community, the journey from Christian ideas into Christian community, we call our growth track. It's how you get involved in the community, where you move from observer to actually a participant. And we need you to do this because God made you, as the scripture was read earlier, God made you all unique. You need each other to be present in each other's lives. You need that. I believe, I believe, one of the enemy's greatest weapons is constantly trying to convince Christians that they don't need community or that community is offensive or that it's not entertaining enough or it's just a product to consume. Like the enemy is going to do everything that he can to keep your heart at distance from the actual church community. He's going to do everything he can to keep your heart separate from participating in the community. To those that are easily offended, that's the enemy's weapon. You're so easily offended, you can't stay in a group more than two or three months. For some of you, it might even be physical issues. It might be emotion. The enemy is going to find your unique weakness and do everything that he can to keep your heart distant from Christian community. And it might look different for all of us. The initial steps. So the journey from Christian ideas into Christian community we call the growth track. The initial step to getting involved in our community, going from a place of ideas, observing, to participating in. The initial step in our Discover Discover track is to go to what we call Discover Trinity. And it is always evolving and changing. So even if you've been in the church for 20, 25 years, and you're like, I don't know where I fit now. I knew where I fit 10 years ago. I knew how I was involved 15 years ago. I knew what I was even doing last year, but I'm not sure what to do now. You can go back to Discover Trinity as kind of like a re-on-ramp to look at your gifting, where the church is currently at, what are the needs in the church, how could you get involved. Discover Trinity is the initial step. And we have staff members that are over each of these primary steps as we kind of journey through this. And the first one with Discover Trinity is the amazing, the beautiful, I can only say all this stuff about the first person, the amazing, the beautiful, love her tons, I get to even live with her, Leslie Kola. So come on up, Leslie. I get to celebrate you in a unique way, speaking of uniqueness, uh, that I can't celebrate the other staff members. And I do love you. Yeah, thank you. I love you, too. Hi, everyone. <laughs> thank um, you for that intro. Yeah, that's good. I was going to keep adding things. She also just finished yet another education journey. It's true. This is not in my notes at all. 
And so she just finished her, it takes a few years to go through it, but spiritual direction. It's like a Christian version of counseling, though it's not counseling. Right. Right. She likes to say it's different. It's different. And so anyway, so that's pretty cool too. Spiritual director, Leslie Kola. Yeah, that's right. Do a little snap. That's fine. I don't know. (laughs) So, all right, Leslie, uh, tell us who you are and what your job is here. Well, my name is Leslie Kola. And I oversee what we call our upfront ministry, which would be greeters, ushers, all of that kind of stuff. So that also would include following up with new people, uh, the next step cards, that kind of thing. And then along with that, I do lead our Discover Trinity class, which is a lot of fun. And uh, among other things, I do some other things. I help this guy. um, I actually read and edit all of his stuff, which as he just shared, he he wrote, what what did you say, 40,000 words in a month. Right, so yeah. that keeps me busy. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah. Oh man, I we have but it's years. All good stuff. Uh, the the truth is, she has like kind of by osmosis gotten like multiple degrees with me along That's the way. That's true. So I'm close to a doctorate as well. Maybe. I actually think you should just get the credit. Let's be honest. I do. I do need you for sure. Actually, whenever I'm putting ser- this isn't in the notes either. Whenever I, this sermon's going to go long because it's you and I, and I've got extra stuff. Uh, <laughs> Whenever I'm writing sermons, she'll read through them, and one of her primary things is like, "You can't use that word. Nobody knows." Like so, <laughs> it's true. You supplement my words frequently. Like, yes. don't use that word. Use this word, which I do appreciate that very, yeah. very much. Okay, so dumb it down a little. No, just kidding, just kidding, oh. sorry, that came out bad. That's not what I meant. But <laughs> make people actually care about it. That's the problem. Like, yeah, just not such big words. That's good. All right, so Discover Trinity. That's your heart. Why do you care so much about this Discover Trinity class? I mean, you have given years into working on this and continuing to hone it and continuing to lead it. Why do you care so much about Discover Trinity? Well, I love that we use the word discover because um, what that tells us is there is always more that we can discover in in God and in our journey with him. Um, God is infinite and he is vast and yet he is so intimate and relational and so um, the journey of discovery is lifelong and Part of Discover Trinity is just to discover what, my, what, what is God doing at Trinity, but even more than that, what is he doing in my life? Um, what might he be inviting me to, to participate in? And so just the fact that we get to have that relationship with God and that he invites us to participate in his work, I just think is such a beautiful thing. So, yeah. so just that journey and process of discovery um, I, is why I love it so much. I kind of see, and I was trying to think through this even over the last, because we've talked about this every year we want to pause and talk about it. And I kind of see Discover Trinity, it's, it's almost like there's a difference. Last night in our home we were watching Disney princess movies because, you know, the boys are getting older and now i got all these girls. And uh, so we're watching Disney princess movies and these little girls are envisioning wonder, you know, envisioning falling in love, envisioning... And at some point, they're going to want to stop observing it, and they're going to want to have their own story, right? Let's like, I have seen enough good families. I want to now be a part of a good family. I've seen people participate in these things. Now I want to be a part of it. And I feel like Discover Trinity is, it is the junction between somebody's desire to go, I want to now participate. Like, I'm tired of just observing. I want to have the good small group. I want to be involved in knowing what my ministry is and my calling. I, want to, I don't want to just observe. I want to participate. So it's almost like when the Holy Spirit rises up that desire in somebody so strong where they want to participate, 
And then Discover Trinity is like, that's the engine. That's the place. That's when the desire gets high enough and the collision of those two things, that desire to participate and then the way in which it happens, that, that cool junction is, is Discover Trinity. Sure. Yeah, that's a cool way to describe it. Um, and so that, just that word participate that speaks to one of our church values is full participation. And so it's just the invitation to, like you said, not just be an observer, but to participate. And, um, and so in, from 1 Corinthians 12 was the scripture passage where they had the people appear and naming the different gifts. And so we talk about that. We talk about how we are one body with many members. And um, so just this idea that the body of Christ functions best when each part just like our physical bodies, when each part is functioning as it was designed to do. And so hopefully the goal of Discover Trinity is to kind of help you discover what is that. You know, like, what is my design? How has God worked, worked in my life? And um, so we talk about spiritual gifts, which are God-given abilities for the purpose of building up the church. So spiritual gifts have a very specific um, origin they come from the holy spirit they are we are holy spirit empowered with these abilities and they have a very specific purpose it is for the purpose of building up the church and so um, we talk about that we talk about spiritual gifts there's an assessment um, and so hopefully the purpose of the assessment and then the discussion can help you discover what are my spiritual gifts and so that's my question to you do you even know what your spiritual gifts are is it mercy showing? Did you know that that was a spiritual gift? Showing mercy or giving is a spiritual gift. Prophecy, um, administration. So we talk about each of those. And um, hopefully the assessment can kind of just help you discover what your spiritual gift is. And I think like lots of families too, you have, uh, as your family grows, or even you age and your family changes, you're trying to sometimes figure out what your new role is. I mean, like, even in our own home, we have five kids. My youngest is two, and my oldest is in college. And those that have raised families, you'll know this. My relationship with my oldest kids is changing. And it's kind of like, I'm still figuring out what my new role is as they age and they change. Right? Like, I mean, those that have raised kids, you understand what I'm saying. It's just, it's different. And I think it is okay, like even in Discover Trinity, if you've been a part of the church for 20 years, like, man, my age, my stage, my role has changed. I need to reevaluate where the family is at and how I can participate. It's good to sit down and just ask that question again. Um, Where is the church at? And here's where I'm at, and here's what God's teaching me. And I wonder if there's a new way for me to intersect with the church family than I did 20 years ago. Right, because it's a lifelong journey. It's discovery. a lifelong journey. And I love how we've been seeing more and more people in Discover Trinity that have been a part of our church for decades. At our last session, we had um, someone that had been there for like, I think it was around 40 years. So it's always, that's always really cool to have them in there because it just reminds me that, again, it's a lifelong discovery. And it's always wonderful to have that perspective um, in, the, in that session of people who have been a part of it a long time and can speak to the journey of Trinity also. So You wanted to introduce us to someone. Yes, I did. Um, I have somebody who is going to come up and share um, just her journey of full participation, of going through Discover Trinity. Um, so help me welcome Margo. Hey, Margo. 
Hello. Thanks for on? being here. Yeah, why don't you two you're scoot good. this way? Okay. There you go. Okay, so Margo, why don't you share how long you've been at Trinity, what brought you here, all that kind of stuff. Yep, yeah. I wish that I could honestly share like the full story because it is just such a fun story of mm-hmm. God's faithfulness. But the short version, um, I've been at Trinity for almost to the day, like two years, two years this month, I think, um, which is crazy. It feels longer in like the best way. Um, but I was introduced to Trinity by Beth and Jeff Feaster, who are the greatest people. Um, started coming two years ago. Um, and on the first Sunday that I was here, it was actually group Sunday. So they were talking about how to get involved. And so um, I remember talking to Leslie and I was like, what's the first thing I should do? How should I get connected to people? Um, and so she introduced me to Awaken, which is the young adult ministry. Um, and so I started going to Awaken pretty consistently. I was in college at the time, um, starting my senior year of college. And so that was like, um, I was definitely seeking out more Christian community because at the college that I went to, I didn't have a whole ton of that. And so that, that was amazing for me. And that like, even to the extent that I would come here for Awaken or for church, and then I would go back and I would feel kind of sad to go back to school because even though that's where I lived, this like began to feel more like home. Um, which was really fun. And so then um, I did an internship in the spring of that senior year um, with Trinity, which allowed me to get involved in more um, more different areas of serving. I got to experience a lot of different um, areas of that, which was really fun. Um, and it wasn't until after the internship that I went through Discover Trinity. Um, and so that was cool because kind of to what you guys were saying, I was involved in several different areas, but going through Discover Trinity, I think what I remember the most and what stuck out to me was the spiritual gifts assessment because that really started to plant the seed of like, okay, what are my gifts? What areas am I serving in that are really like allowing me to live out of that? Um, and so that was that was a really, really awesome, like I think transition from kind of dabbling in a lot of different areas to then starting to hone in on like where I felt like I use my gifts that I've been given the most. So it started out, you were really eager and just wanted to jump into everything, which is awesome that you were so excited. I love that. But Discover Trinity kind of helped you um, discover and realize these are the specific areas that God really seems to be calling me into. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been cool because that has then planted seeds of just in my own personal spiritual journey that like it kind of called out things that I didn't really see in myself before and so it's been cool how that then over the last year or so has just like played out in so many different areas of my life yeah Yeah. so kind of helped bring some confirmation and direction sounds like yeah good well that's what we want so that is what we want well we would love it or I would love it if I could just pray over the two of you Um, and then even as a representation of others that will join us I do think that uh, discover trinity is for those who have a heart and they don't yet know how. And so the journey from heart to how, Discover Trinity fits that place really, really well. Let me pray for you all. Lord, I love you. I thank you so much just for even uh, Discover Trinity as, um, as, a, as a way. It's a mechanism. It's an engine. We don't want to be a place where we merely observe, but we want to be a place that, that rises up participants, those that will engage um, and God, and I pray even today over the next couple of minutes as we pause and just see how powerful it can be when people choose to go from observer to participant. 
And I even ask now in this room that you would begin to put in the hearts of people a desire to want to engage more, a desire to find their purpose, a desire to step into that a little more. Uh, I love you, Jesus, and I thank you so much for this team, and I'm so grateful for Margot as well. Um, in your wonderful name, amen. You too, thank you very much. One more thing. Yes, ma'am. Just a few logistics. So if you're interested in the Discover Trinity class, the next session is September 10 and 17. It is a two-week class, so you do want to be at both weeks. And then also just this fall, we're, um, we're actually talking about adding a few other things to our Discover track, um, just other ways that you can learn and grow and other things that you could discover. And then um, also we'll be... You know, we'll be promoting and inviting um, for, into opportunities to join a serving team. So just be on the lookout for that. Thank you. You too. Thank you very much. I appreciate you both. Uh, I want to invite Josh up and do a few closing remarks on this uh, idea of journey from heart to how. You have a heart for it. This is how to start it. Um, again, we'd love to have you, have you all come and be a part of this Romans 12, 4 through 8. So I'm going to read all over the Bible, the scripture that was read earlier, Corinthians, and then I'm going to read from Romans here too. All through the Bible, there is this picture that God uniquely crafts individuals. I mean, you, you, you literally have been gifted by God, and it's so important to pause and, and let somebody just even point that out. Like, you're really, you're really good at this. God made you for this. And then to even help kind of show you a way to develop that calling and that gifting. Romans 12, 4 through 8 says this. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Okay, so now this is cool if you look around the room. You're not all the same. You have different passions, different callings. Some of you now, like even earlier this morning, I was thinking about this text. And we have some people that walk in on a Sunday morning, even like volunteers. And one of our leaders was like, it's warm in here. I got to get the air conditioning fixed. That's like the first thing on his mind. Somebody else walks in and they make a beeline for somebody to have a personal conversation with them. Right? Somebody else walks in and they're like, hey, I'm not sure the microphones, they start tinkering with stuff. And then somebody else walks in and they go to the prayer room and start praying for the services this morning. Like everybody in all this unique calling just goes to work. Right now, what the enemy wants to do, <clears throat> the enemy wants the person who's about relationships to look at the other people and go, what's wrong with them? They're not like me. The quiet, all by themselves prayer person wants to sit in that room and go, if they really love Jesus, they would walk away from all that distraction and come and be in here with me. Right? The person who wants to make sure the facility is working right and the room is comfortable and people are engaged are like, am I all alone and working on this place? Where's everybody else? The enemy wants to take your uniqueness and weaponize it against each other. The Holy Spirit wants to take your uniqueness and turn it into a beautiful choir of God's glory for his kingdom. Praise God for our uniqueness. Praise God for our uniqueness. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all. They do not all, is what the text says. They do not all have the same function. 
So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ, they differ, they differ, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, to the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity. That's right, being generous is a spiritual gift. And the one who leads, lead with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, do it with cheerfulness. Here's the way I would say it. The church needs you engaged. The church needs you engaged. The church needs you engaged. The church is not a place where products, like even though we do at times hand things out, right? Like here's a book, something to consider, an idea to think about. That's important. I'm not saying it's bad. But the church needs you engaged. The church is not a place where products are offered primarily, but a family in which you are to participate. That's what it's supposed to be. I have been uh, deeply engrossed in some... I, I steer near the edge of my, end of my education, and I'm working on this huge project, and so I'm doing lots and lots and lots of research. And there are two ideas that stood out to me I thought were kind of interesting. There's a lot more than two, but two of them that pertain to this that I wanted to give you, okay? So reading lots of research, some of it done through a Christian vein, some of it just like broad academic research in general. Two things I want to give to you. One thought is this, real meaningful friendships. First thought, real meaningful friendships are essential for human flourishing, Real, meaningful friendships are essential for human flourishing. And here's the thing. They require presence, consistency, and a shared purpose. In fact, I got a slide for this. Go ahead and go to the next one if you would. I want you to see this. I want you to see this really quick. Real, meaningful friendships are essential for human flourishing. And here's the thing. For you to have a friendship that is actually growing in meaning. Okay, so friendships are living things like a plant. And for the plant to thrive, it's got to have a few things consistently. See, here they are, ready? It has to have presence. You have to be present. You have to be present. Consistency. You have to keep at it, right? So like, I love you. If you come to church twice a year and you're like, I don't feel like I fit, that's on you. That, that's on you. I'm not saying that the people of the church are innocent. This is a hospital full of a lot of sick people who are trying to grow healthy with Jesus. I'm not letting the church off the hook. I'm just saying, you're not helping at all by only coming twice a year. I love you. There's mountains of research that supports this, right? Like, you, you get this. For those of you that grew up in a home with an absent dad, he may pay the bills. But if he's not there consistently with you, how's your heart towards him? Why do you do that with other people then? You gotta pick a family and participate. You can't do it with everybody, but you better be doing it with somebody. Real meaningful friendships are essential for human flourishing and require presence. You gotta be present. You gotta be present. You gotta be present. They require consistency. 
In fact, here's, oh, you guys aren't going to like this. I didn't like it. Uh, I was looking at one project. I was actually interviewing. So expert interviews are a part of doctoral research, expert interviews. So ethnography is. One person told me that it can take between four to seven. If you're only with somebody once a week, once a week. This isn't your family that you're with every day. If you're with somebody like once a week, it can take four to seven years before you really get to the point where they're like deep intimacy. That's every week. If you're only coming here once a month, you get to be in the church like 15 years before it feels like really home. Presence. Presence. Presence matters. Consistency matters. For the plant to flourish called intimate, healthy friendships, presence, consistency, and then the last part of this is a shared common vision. You have to have a shared common vision. Now here's the really cool thing. The church is God's designed answer. I've even got this on a slide. Check this out. Go and go to the next slide. The church is God's designed answer to this. It really is. Church is supposed to be, it's supposed to be the place where you're doing life together in regular rhythms and you're pursuing an eternally meaningful purpose. Eternally meaningful. Like, I played sports in high school. I was with the guys I played football with every day. You know what happened when football went away? It's like the relationships. I mean, like, we're still friends, but they just start to dissolve. So if you want to have eternally, deeply connected relationships, you have to have an eternally meaningful purpose. The second thing that I was, there's so much more I could say about that, and I will. I'm going to do a series on friendship in the spring, so it's a few months out. But the second thing that was really interesting to me in this, like how to have good friends, I'm going to do a series in the spring. I'm so excited about it. I'm literally, I might call it like how to have friends, like just that simple. But the second thing that kind of stood out to me in the research is this, that I think, again, it's a no-duh statement, but I just want to make it ultra clear. Healthy, appropriate physical touch is essential for human flourishing. It really is. There's mountains of research that supports this. Healthy, healthy, that's an important qualifying word, healthy. Healthy physical touch is essential for human flourishing in a post-COVID world. We just got taught not to touch anyone ever. It's incredible to discover, I've read through a ton of the research on this, it's incredible to discover that even the simplest acts of connection can trigger a profound cascade of biological responses. So here's the thing. If you are like, man, I want to serve in nursery, you go to Discover Trinity, you go through there, the nursery needs help, and you sign up for the nursery, and you are at home, and you're thinking, Saturday night, and you're like, I do not want to go there. I'm going to change diapers. I'm not in the mood for this today. I think I'm just going to call in sick. And by sick, I mean like, I think I might have a headache. Okay, so now check this out. In that nursery... 
Literally, when you pick up a baby, in fact, I've been doing this at home with my own children after reading this with Julia. Last night, I did this with her. And you pick up that baby, you just like put your hands on their little feet. And you, you like sing, Jesus loves me over them. You may not see it, but there's a, literally a cascade of biological, I mean, their whole system lights up. You don't see it. They obviously aren't old enough to understand it, but you are giving them a gift just by being in there. In fact, I was holding Julia the other day after reading through a bunch of this. I was rubbing her little toesies, right? And then she was, utter one toesies, so rub both of them. Rub her little toesies, and I'm singing to her, Jesus loves me, this. You know, just singing over her little, just itsy bitsy spider, whatever, right? Like, Like right here in this, just like a brilliant sky full of stars that are lit up and the cosmos and the Milky Way galaxy and being in wonder of it right here at a microbiological level, there's a cascade of hormones and neurons firing. And like, I mean, I am participating in life in the nursery. You can do that. You guys, with physical touch, it's amazing. Like I was even, I would call it a bro hug. It wasn't called bro hug in the research, but that's what I would call it. So they were even talking about like when guys come together, like in a locker room where you put your arms around each other, or it's like, you know, what's up, man? How you doing? Like the the bro, bro hug. I'm going to call it a bro hug. It wasn't called that. Even simple things like that. Fire neurons in the body that help you feel this is my fit. A handshake, a bro hug, a gauge, and you're like, this is a big deal. Listen, when a single mom comes to this church and she's exhausted and trying to make things work and her little kid comes in and you get down on your knee in the children's area and you're serving down there and you high five that little guy and you go, I'm glad to see you. You are doing heaven's glorious work. Do you understand? Like, I've read it. I've read the research. This is massively impactful. That little kid all of a sudden correlates safety and home with God's place and where God is. And and you think it's just busy work. You're doing God's work. Isn't it amazing how the enemy likes to take such important work and make us think this is dumb and meaningless? That is the big work. Dads that are busy and you go and teach a junior high Sunday school and you got to bring donuts and they're half wrestling. I mean, you understand in that room, that is God's work. As simple as the high five when they come in the room is doing a cascade of emotional, biological connection, identity, all of this stuff is happening. And you're just worried about that I finished my lesson. That is the big work. Let me offer this idea. I got to be done. Wow, I'm going way long. It's my first. I'm back and I'm excited and I'm so sorry. 
I'm going to mess up all the services this morning. Let me just say a couple things and I'll be done. Let us reframe our thinking. Let us reframe our thinking, our understanding that the church is not just a building or an institution. It's not just that. It's a vibrant community of believers coming together to worship, learn, and impact the world. I'm going to go fast because I'm out of time. Our active involvement, our active involvement and commitment are what truly make the church alive and effective. Our active involvement, we need you here. I need you to wake up on Sunday and not ask the question, should I go? But ask the question, who needs my gifting? Who needs my gifting? What goofball junior high Sunday school class needs my high five, right? What little baby in there that comes from a whatever, hard home unit, what little baby in there needs you to hold her or him and rub those little feet and just say, I love you and God loves you. What handshake, what bro hug. It is God's work. This is God's work, all of it. We need you. Uh, In fact, I'm gonna do this. I'm totally out of time here, so we're gonna do this together, okay? Go ahead, go to the next slide. We're gonna say three phrases together. I just want you to hear yourself say it out loud. So I'll read it once to you, then let's say it together. I am made, so I'll, I'll say it out loud to you first. I am made to participate in a Christian community. Let's say this together, are you ready? I am made to participate in a Christian community. Literally made by God to play a role. Where are you? We need you. The next thing I would say is this. I'm going to say it to you, then we'll say it together. I am part of the symphony that displays Christ's beauty. I think of a symphony, all the unique instruments all playing together. What if the trumpets decide they don't care about the symphony anymore? What if the drums or the percussion is like, I'm out, I'm bored, I don't want to be doing it. I mean, like, you are part of the whole symphony, all your uniqueness. All right, so let's, let's do this one together now. I want you to hear yourself say it out loud. I am part of the symphony that displays Christ's beauty. You are. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke the lies of the enemy that try to convince you that you're not needed. You are. You are needed. Guys, I just, I, I'm even looking around this room. Chris, this is first service, so so many of you are volunteers already. I love you all. But like, I'm looking around here. It's like, I see Jake. You know how much I love walking in? And I see Jake. He'll stand right over there often. I'm like, Jake, I love seeing you on a Sunday morning, man. You make my heart happy. It's not just him, man. We need you. I told you, called you out in church. I apologize. I love you. Let me say one more, okay? Here together. I'm going to say this out loud, and then let's say it together. I'll say it to you first. Let's do it together. The next, next slide. The church needs me, my voice, my hands, my creativity. Okay, so I want you just to put your hands out like this, and then I'm going to let Josh take over, and you can figure out where to go from here. I really want you to see this as receiving a gift. I'm going to say this to you, and then we're going to say it again. Let me say it out loud over you one more time, then we'll say it again. Then we'll say it together. The church needs me, my voice, my hands, my creativity. Let's say this together out loud. Are you ready? The church needs me, my voice, my hands, 
my creativity. Jesus, silence the enemy that tries to convince us that we're not needed. Show us family and how we can participate in it. Thanks for listening to Sunday Sermon on the Made for More podcast. If you are not connected in a church community, we would love to connect with you. Send us a message on social media or fill out a digital next steps card at encountertrinity.com slash next steps.